0: A well-regulated militia be necessary to the security of a free state. The right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Welcome to another edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. My name is Cam Edwards. Glad that you've joined us today. Coming up on the program here in just a couple of minutes, we're going to be talking with Alan Godley from the Second Amendment Foundation as well as the Citizens Committee for the Right to Keep and Bear Arms. Taking a closer look at what is happening in one American city uh, in terms of the violent crime rate. But uh, interestingly enough, uh, at the Hill uh, newspaper just a couple of days ago, Steve Krakauer had an opinion piece. The media is ignoring the violence that is tearing our cities apart. Uh, And he's largely talking about the the national media here ignoring this violence. Uh, He writes... The New York Times has introduced a new term into our political lexicon, rage moms. We talked about this at Bury uh, Arms actually a few days ago, rage moms versus defense moms. Uh, Steve Krakauer says that an August 17th story described uh, a fire, fired up mothers supporting protesters in Portland, Oregon. The caption on the story's photo declared the wall of moms that has emerged from the Portland protests is one of the latest examples of parents engaging in activism to strengthen the social safety net. Democrats, the Times said, are counting on these rage moms to help them when? in November. Crackhour says, You know, that's not the whole story of what's happening in Portland. He says, Meanwhile, the Washington Post wrote a glowing profile of Portland's protesters, complete with a photo shoot in protest garb, the headline that protest is what Portland does best. He writes that these are just two examples of the absurd links to which the media has gone to glamorize the violent riots that have emerged from what began as peaceful protests around the country. Portland is not, he says, a model of peaceful protest, no matter how the media tries to spin it through a bias of omission on the reality on the ground and he's right about this but you know i think we're also talking about two different phenomena here when we're talking about violence in our cities right now there is the politically motivated violence that steve krakauer is writing about the the daily uh, or or nightly destruction uh, of property in portland oregon the attempts to uh, burn down police stations and courthouses uh the uh, violence that we've seen uh, in the streets of chicago uh, I believe we had more arrests in Richmond, Virginia last night as a matter of fact. So, uh, the national media is is not focusing on that. Uh your local media will, you know, for instance, the uh, the big riot that happened in Chicago a couple of weekends ago, very much downplayed by the national media. Uh particularly while it was taking place uh in the early morning hours, and even then it was, you know, in the hours afterwards, it was it was kind of hard to find any mention of this. I noticed on Monday of this week As I was going through some news stories, I ran across local stories out of Chicago talking about number of officers injured and arrests made Uh, Seattle, another local story about officers injured and arrests made Philadelphia, another story about uh, arrests being made. But there there was no one national news story from any of the broadcast networks, from none of the cable news networks that kind of took all of this disparate bits of data from around the country, packaged it into one story, and then presented this of, look, here's what happened around the country this weekend. Steve Krakauer is absolutely right that the national media is ignoring this. And while the politically motivated violence uh, is continuing, the street crime Everything from, you know, armed robberies to carjackings, home invasions, shootings, homicides. Those numbers are skyrocketing around the country. Absolutely skyrocketing. In Seattle, as a matter of fact, uh, they have already reached a grim milestone. They have already reached the same number of homicides that they had in all of 2019. We still have four months to go. Alan Gottlieb, again with the Citizens Committee for the Right to Keep and Bear Arms and the Second Amendment Foundation, sat down to me earlier today to talk about what's going on in Seattle and why it is a crystal clear example of why the gun control policies that Joe Biden and Kamala Harris want to put in place across the nation will fail to keep Americans safe, even as they ensure that Americans are disarmed. Take a look and a listen. Alan, thank you, sir, for joining me on the program today. It's good talking with you. Always my pleasure, Cam. I I, I wish the the news was better, unfortunately, Uh, in Seattle, Washington. uh, You know, the crime rate is going in the opposite direction. And as you all at the uh, Citizens Committee for the Right to Keep and Bear Arms point out, um, this shouldn't be happening if gun control worked, right? If if Governor Jay Inslee was correct and uh, the mayor of Seattle was right about what these gun control laws would do, we'd be seeing violent crime decline instead of soaring. So that's true, particularly in light of the fact that this all started, so to speak, in, ni-
1: in 2014. Seattle and Washington State had pretty low crime. And then the Seattle-based Alliance for Gun Responsibility, one of the nat- gun prohibition lobby groups that have based here, that's funded not only by Michael Bloomberg nationally, but funded by wealthy Seattle-area elitists uh, like Steve Ballmer, who uh, now owns the San Diego Chargers and former Microsoft billionaire, and Bill Gates uh, and, and, and former Paul Allen, who's not with us anymore uh put, to the tune of, you know, six and seven figure ch- you know, donations helped push through an initiative, uh, that pushed through a so called universal background check measure, but it was far beyond just that, it went much further. And then in two thousand fifteen the Seattle City Council and the mayor signed, they pushed through a the so called gun tax. Uh and with the so called gun and, and ammunition tax as well, what it did is it forced all the gun dealers out of Seattle so people in Seattle had no place to go buy a gun. Uh and then we just had uh you know, coming up in two thousand eighteen, the same gun ban lobby rammed through an initiative that prohibited young adults from purchasing any kind of semi automatic rifle and required an enhanced background checks and a ten day waiting period plus proof of training making it more difficult for legitimate law abiding gun owners to buy firearms for self defense. All these things have contributed to the fact that the only people who have guns on the streets of Seattle are the criminals.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's 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 incredible that already Seattle has matched the homicide total for all of 2019. We still have four months left to go. So obviously that uh, homicide rate is going to be higher. And it's been going up. Uh, 2019, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Alan, but I think 2019, the homicide rate was higher than 2018. As you say, this goes back a number of years. If these initiatives were... We're going to work. And even if gun control advocates want to say, well, you got to give it time to uh, to, to be on the books and really make a difference. All right, well, it's been six years since the, quote, unquote, universal background check uh, law was implemented in Washington state. Uh, And as you say, there have only been more restrictions put on uh, legal law-abiding gun owners ever since. I mean, how long are we supposed to wait to see uh, these laws make a difference?
1: Well, that's a very good question, Cam, because they obviously already don't work and they're not going to. Uh, and the truth of the matter is, the homicide rate and violent crime rate, you know, in 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 the Seattle area, uh, is now up more than 50% since we started passing these anti-gun laws. 50% is not, you know, two or three or four or five percent. I mean, at that point, it's a definitive, you know, answer. I mean, you know, all, all of our, our opponents all talk. We need to look at the science. Well, let's look at the science and look at the statistics. And when we see that, we see that gun control is a fallacy. It doesn't work at all. And, you know, quite frankly, the gun prohibition lobby should apologize to Washington gun owners for what they've created here. I mean, this is just unbelievably horrible. Uh, All they've accomplished is a false sense of security while trampling on everybody's rights. Uh, And and now, you know, more people must die. Uh, The anti-gun extremists, you
0: know, shouldn't admit that they're wrong because they're killing people. It's horrible. It is absolutely horrible. And you're right. I think the gun control advocates should apologize, but they're not going to. I mean, they're going to go the opposite direction. They want to impose uh, these types of laws and worse, uh, frankly, on on every American out there. I know that, you know, Joe Biden Thursday night delivered his uh, campaign acceptance speech, did not mention gun control a a single time, Alan. But uh, we know what the Biden-Harris agenda is, and it's it's turning the entire country uh, into you know, a, a a a more restrictive version uh, of what we already see in Seattle.
1: Yeah, I don't think he mentioned gun control per se, but he did mention taking on the gun lobby, uh, which is a, a code word for you know taking on gun owners in general. Uh, he's not our friend, and he's going to be out there sticking pins in us forever. And I mean, if, we are going if he gets elected president, uh, we are going to be in for four years of, of unbelievable attacks on our rights.
0: Yeah, I would I would actually say more than four because I worry about the Supreme Court and what Biden might be able to do, uh, you know, that would resonate for 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 far longer than he's going to be in office. I mean, is Seattle and should Seattle be a wake up call for uh, uh, for other Americans out there? I mean, you know, can we extrapolate what's happening in Seattle and say, all right, you know what? If I'm not careful, if we get the wrong politicians uh, in office, this could happen to me. This could happen to my city.
1: Oh, yeah, but you, you don't have to look just at Seattle. I mean, add Chicago, Baltimore, uh, New York, uh, you know, Washington, D.C., you know, you, know, you know, add Atlanta. I mean, add a number of these places where you have anti-gun politicians charge in and control, and, and it's the same pattern all over the place. So, again, if you don't look
0: just at Seattle statistics, look at the pattern of statistics all across the country talking again with Alan Godley Ben and Alan before we let you go I've got to ask you real quick about the Gun Rights Policy Conference. I know it's coming up. Got to be an all virtual conference this year. I'm kind of sad that uh, we're not going to get together in person, but uh, but I am pleased to be a part of the Gun Rights Policy Conference. Um can you tell folks about how they can be a part of it as well?
1: Sure. Uh you know, saf.org, you can register there and then you'll get the updates for it if you register for the conference. But it's going to be streamed on multiple platforms online on September 19th and 20th. And uh, we're hoping to reach millions of Americans this way. And it's probably is going to be a blessing in disguise for us. Yeah. We're going to have over 100 speakers. And, Cam, you're one of them. Uh, and so I'm really excited about this because uh, right now we're putting it all together. And then starting right after Labor Day, we'll keep off promotions of it to make sure that you know tens of millions of Americans know where to go and, and tune into it. But, again, if you go to saf.org and register for the conference, you'll get our, our, update, our updates on it.
0: Fantastic. Alan Godlieb, thank you, as always, sir, for joining me on the program. Thank you for what you do, and look forward to talking again very soon. Thank you, Cam. I appreciate Alan spending some time with us today. And uh, we will be talking more about the Gun Rights Policy Conference, by the way, as we get closer uh, to that uh, event weekend. All right, let's now turn our attention to our uh, armed citizen story, our good deed of the day. And our recidivist report, we're going to start there. case out of Albuquerque, New Mexico, where the uh, suspect in a murder of a woman named Jacqueline Vigil uh, described as having a lengthy criminal history, despite the fact that uh, he's been in this country illegally. As a matter of fact, a KOB in Albuquerque, New Mexico, says uh, Luis Talamantas, who has not yet been charged in uh, Vigil's death, but he is considered a suspect, uh, was in this country legally, according to a 20 page motion filed by the U.S. Attorney's Office asking a judge to give Talamantes 20 years behind bars for his illegal re entry into this country. Since 2008, Talamantes has also been charged with domestic violence, aggravated assault with a deadly weapon, shooting from a moving vehicle. He ended up spending about four years total in prison on those crimes before he was arrested in Colorado and then was deported for a third time. But prosecutors say three months after that deportation, he made his way back into the country illegally, and on November 19th of 2019, shot and killed Jacqueline Vigil in her driveway. Now, Telemada's is scheduled to be sentenced on federal charges of re-entering the country illegally next month. Prosecutors say uh, that no matter what happens, that will not uh, deter them from seeking justice in the uh, death of Jacqueline Vigil. Uh, D.A.'s office says, quote, the federal case won't impact our ability to prosecute Luis Telemantes for the murder of Jacqueline Vigil. We will not have to wait for his federal sentence to end, which is a a good thing. But uh, again, Luis Telemantes should not have been out on the streets of Albuquerque in November of 2019. Apparently should not have even have been in the United States for a third time. Uh, Our armed citizen story of the day from uh, Florida, Scambia County, Florida, where a uh, burglar who uh, admitted to cops that he was a little high, uh, held at gunpoint by a resident. This is like uh, most defensive gun uses across the United States. No shots were fired, but the presence of that firearm uh, in the hands of a a law-abiding resident was enough to prevent uh, this crime from escalating any further, as well as ensuring that uh, this individual... Actually, uh, was arrested. 35-year-old Matthew Arrington Havard, now charged with felony burglary of an occupied building, already released, by the way, on $5,000 bond uh, there in Escambia County, Florida. Uh, a resident uh, told the Escambia County Sheriff's Office that he was at home uh, on his computer. It was uh, just after 9 o'clock Monday night when he noticed Havard ins- somehow had gotten inside the house. Uh, Havard immediately raised his hands when he was confronted. The resident grabbed his handgun, led Haviyard back outside. The man and his grandmother, who actually owns the home, were both inside the residence at the time. Both told deputies they'd never seen Haviard before. Uh, sheriff's office said home security video shows Haviyard arrive in a Chevy pickup truck, then walk through an open garage door and enter the residence through a side door. Haviyard uh, told uh, uh, an Escambia County Sheriff's Office deputy that he had smoked spice and methamphetamine a couple of hours prior to the incident, didn't know where he was. Kind of surprised. I mean, I know he's been charged with burglary of an occupied vehicle or occupied building. Kind of surprised he hasn't been charged with, you know, DUI since he rolled up there in a pickup truck, admitted to officers that he was uh, high on spice and meth, but uh, no, 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 no charges for that. But uh, again, the uh, burglary of an occupied dwelling. So a couple of things here. I'm, I'm glad that uh, Mr. Haviard is alive and well, glad the homeowner and his grandmother are alive or glad the homeowner and her grandson, I should say, are alive and well. Um, Keep your doors locked. Again, I don't care how safe a neighborhood you think you live in. Keep your doors locked. Keep your garage door down. Make sure that your home is not an inviting target for criminals. Whether or not you're a gun owner, there are some simple things that you can do to, you know, put up a couple of barriers to entry and uh, making sure that somebody can't just, you know, open up a door and walk inside. That would be a very basic way to uh, help protect you and your family. I bet they've learned their lesson after this uh, most recent incident, don't you think? Finally today, our good deed of the day. I want you to take a look at this uh, picture. Sorry, it's not landscape. Sorry, it's still in portrait mode. But uh, this is from New York State, uh, Warren County, New York, the town of Chester. This is a a screen capture from a, a video taken by a woman named Heidi Schmidt. Uh, This is the moment that a Warren County Sheriff's deputy helped two elderly women cross a busy road there in the town of Chester. Schmidt lives and works in uh, Chester. She was eating lunch with her son in Lake George Wednesday afternoon uh, when she noticed the women struggling to cross the road. She said that she was actually getting ready to get up and she was going to go outside and uh, help these women cross the road when she saw the deputy approach and start to help them across. Uh, Again, a, a very simple thing, not a big deal. Kind of surprised that uh, News 10 there in uh, New York State actually even bothered to report on this, but I- I'm glad that they did. Coincidentally, they know that the town of Chester and Warren County adopted a resolution uh, during their last town board meeting on Tuesday night of this week, uh, showing support and respect for law enforcement officers and the work that they perform daily. Town board member Karen Rose says, We felt it was important to show support for the local police officers and the first responders working hard daily in this town. So The idea for the resolution came after a Back the Blue parade, that the uh, community had organized three weeks ago. And uh, just a little reminder, again, of the uh, job that law enforcement performs each and every day, most of the time, not getting headlines or any attention for stuff like that, but in the right place at the right time, we'll be able to do the right thing to ensure a couple of our senior citizens could uh, get to where they needed to go safely. We thank that Warren County Sheriff's deputy for his very good deed. That is all the time we've got for you on this edition of Bearing Arms Cam and Company. I really appreciate you being a part of the program as well. Hope you have a great weekend. I'd say happy shooting. If you can find any uh, ammunition around, good luck to you with that. I'm actually going to be stopping by my local gun store uh, on the way, uh, well, this afternoon. See if there is anything in stock because I've gotten to the point now where I, I, I hate dipping in to my stash right now. I just I don't like seeing that stash decline. I don't know when I'm going to be able to restock. So, not all of us can be like our friend Rick Ector from uh, Legally Armed in Detroit, and have that you know one-on-one connection with a uh, ammunition manufacturer. I'd love it. By the way, if there are any ammunition manufacturers who would like to talk, I'm I'm here at Cam Edwards on Twitter. Let me know. But in the meantime, again, hope you have a fantastic weekend. Be safe. Be well. Be free. And we will talk to you soon. Uh, actually, you know, now that I'm thinking about it. One bit of a program note, uh, Monday, we will not have a Bearing Arms Cam and Company because I am scheduled to be in a dentist office chair uh, getting a, a a filling. So yay for that. Uh, probably not going to talk with my mouth all numbed up. That'd be kind of difficult. So we'll take Monday off. We'll be back on Tuesday of next week uh, with much more of the latest Second Amendment news and information. Until we talk again, be well, be safe, be free, and we'll see you soon with another edition of Bearing Arms Cam and Company.